Welcome back to another episode of The Emily Show. Today, we are going over the search warrant issued for Alec Baldwin's cell phone. There was a second search warrant issued for the prop house that has been widely reported because they are searching for evidence about how I think live ammo got into uh, the weapon and how it got onto set and indicated via news reporting that there were over 12 live rounds found in the case of ammo. What's interesting is in this search warrant that we will be going over, Armor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed indicated that there were some, quote, wonky, end quote, rounds. So by wonky, did she mean live? Or did she just not know? It's very unclear because, again, the search warrant is a specific purpose. And in the one we are reviewing today, the purpose is to uh, have a judge find that there's probable cause to search Alec Baldwin's phone for the things that we will talk about. Now, after this search warrant became public and there's been media reporting about it, Alec Baldwin did say on Twitter, quote, this in fact, is a lie. The choices regarding any props by me for the film Rust were made weeks before production began to suggest that any changes were made, quote, before fatal shooting, end quote, is false. His Twitter account has since been made private or at least locked to approved followers, which is interesting. He has over a million followers on Twitter and who knows who can see his Twitter? I sure cannot. But In the search warrant, it is indicated by Hannah Gutierrez-Reed that she was part of the decision-making process about what gun would be used on the set of Rust. I will tell you my thoughts based on what Baldwin said in my other episode where we cover his interview and what was said in the search warrant. And again, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. So if you follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker, share with me there. If you're a member of our Law Nerd community over on Patreon, there will be a post for you to share with me there. And we will be talking all about this because it's a lot. It's a lot. And a lot of this is clipped from a live stream, but cleaned up and shortened for ease of consumption on this very very interesting search warrant. But you know what we do know from this? 100% for certain, Alec Baldwin is still a target in this investigation. Determinations about who to charge in the death of Helena Hutchins, if anyone, have not been finalized yet. Decisions about who to charge in the shooting injury of Joel Souza have not been made yet, if any are made. And this is all set to the backdrop of numerous civil lawsuits that will be going through the court system probably for several years to come. Can't wait to hear your thoughts about it. We should just get all the way into it. So let's get into it. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Alec Baldwin, I have a video about his interview. You absolutely know how I feel about Alec Baldwin's interview. Um, Alec Baldwin is an ex- a prime example of you should absolutely shut up while there is an active investigation. He's already spoken to police. Nothing is going to help. Um, nothing is going to make it better. And the first time he stopped by the roadside and talked to um, whoever Black Box or whatever they're called, the Black Grid paparazzi group. He said, it is a, 
It is a ongoing investigation. I have been ordered not to speak about the ongoing investigation. And then he proceeded to speak about the ongoing investigation multiple times. It was a bad idea. So they've issued a search warrant for his phone and the search warrant um, contains some new information that we haven't seen before. So we're going to go through it a little bit there. I don't find the search warrant to be as graphic as some of the civil lawsuits. We are still talking about the shooting death of Helena Hutchins, but the search warrant does not go into, um, into the type of detail that the civil lawsuits go into. So not only is there still an active criminal investigation, but there is also multiple civil lawsuits, a number that I'm sure will grow. And the search warrant was linked in an article that I shared from law and crime, which, um, law and crime covers this stuff so thoroughly. And then this is, so this was linked originally from them. And if you want to see the full article from Law and Crime and the link to the search warrant and the search warrant affidavit uh, at the Emily D. Baker over on the Twitters, and you can find it there. So this is for the seizure and search of a cellular phone believed to be an Apple iPhone due to conversations between Affiant and Alec Baldwin being conducted through iMessage. They're like, well, we don't see a green bubble. So it's an iPhone because he's been texting with the detective. So um, the phone belongs to Alec Baldwin, is believed to be in his possession and has a mobile phone number. And then they redacted it out. The full telephone number is known and redacted for confidentiality and privacy, which I think is completely fair. They are asked, and I'm sure they've already seized this because this was this would have been executed on the 16th of December. Well, was that yesterday? So much has happened. Was this just yesterday? Yes, Emily, it was just yesterday. It was all just a dream. You guys are like, oh no, texting the detectives. If you are the target potentially of an investigation, yeah, don't do that. Um, have your lawyer do it, have your lawyer chat with them, route everything. But I think. Based on the interview, my interpretation, my speculation, and this is based on Alec Baldwin saying very clearly in his interview, I had to speak. I couldn't wait for the investigation to be done. And I don't think they should speed it up for me. But I, I, had, to, I had to have my side heard. I think he wants to be so much um, in the loop and he wants to be in control this is just the sense I got from the interview that I can see why he's like, yes, we're absolutely uh, texting with detectives. So I can see why he's doing that. Um, it's a terrible plan. If you have a lawyer, public service announcement, not legal advice. If you have a lawyer, uh, let them handle all your shit. It is for them to worry. It is for them to communicate. It is for them to call you and say, this is what has happened. That is it. If you do not trust your lawyer to do those things, find another lawyer. There's a fuck ton of them. There are lawyers everywhere. There are lawyers. There are lawyers falling from the sky on YouTube. <laughs> Occasionally, we all end up on panels together. Um, find a lawyer that you trust and let them handle everything. All of the things. All of the things. So that you're not texting a detective and then having your phone seized. Not that Alec Baldwin can't just go buy a new phone and have his phone number ported and stuff, but they are going to do 
all of the things to his phone. Cause let's look about, let's look at the things they are going to do to his phone. Okay. The seizure and search of the cell phones believed to be an Apple iPhone. Um, and they are asking for the cellular phone of Baldwin, a forensic download of this cellular phone to include digital images, digital movies, emails, social network accounts, <clears throat> social network accounts. Um, Social network private messages, deleted digital images, deleted digital movies, evidence of multiple or deleted social network accounts, internet browser histories. What is he doing? Phone books, stored contacts, network connection logs, text messages, MMS and SMS to include aftermarket text applications, <clears throat> telegram, phone use timelines, event logs, database cache histories, image cache histories, passwords or documents containing possible passwords, access to any cloud drives, which may contain digital images or digital movies or documents containing passwords, all contacts, including names, phone numbers, addresses, recent call list um, that will display all recent phone numbers that have called the cell phone. Look, this is just them getting the phone. They're just, this is them getting the physical, physical phone. Um, this is not, they will also subpoena his cell phone carrier, social media networks, and all these things. So they will connect these different ways. All right, let's see what else they're going after. Recent call list, all graphic files and multimedia files. That could include photographs taken by the phone or transferred onto the phone by another service. Videos, other mixed media, graphic and video files, all short message service, mixed media messages, any owner information, any global positioning. So all of the GPS, um, which is going to place him at different places, all of the things. Um, Affian also requests to take photographs of the cellular telephone, including photographs of some or all of the information contained on the phone, um, requesting all information and data on the cell phone in relation to the production of rust. So they're going to have all of the stuff too, from conversations, potentially emails, text messages that he would have had as the producer. This can include any conversations he had about safety on the set, emails about safety on the set, photos he was sent about safety on the set, concerns people had about safety on the set, concerns people had about the weapons misfiring. This is going to include all of that and I think give them a more full picture of what he knew. If they weren't considering charging him, they wouldn't be bothering taking his physical phone and searching it. Why waste the time, energy, and money? And this isn't a civil suit. So they don't give a shit about, you know, if he's responsible as an actor or if he's responsible as a director. They care about what he knew and when for whether he was criminally negligent when he had that gun in his hand and what he knew at that time. They are going to be going through all of the things. And, um, oh my, oh my, oh my. Affian is requesting all information and data from the cell phone in relation to the production of Rust and any member working on the production pursuant to the ECPA. No information will be collected that is unrelated to the objective of the investigation. So even if they do find things, like I've said, they are not, they might find it in the swoop of it. In some of my investigations, it was, it was relevant, but they're not going to um, collect that data. It will be noted and logged that of what they saw, like how many photos they saw, but how many are related to rust, things like that. So, um, 
Continuing on, all that the facts tend to establish the foregoing grounds for issuance of a search warrant are as follows. Affian is a full-time certified peace officer. Affian is aware that suspects, victims, and or witnesses may document information relating to crime on computers and or other forms of social media. And this is just their background. And then we get into the investigation. On Thursday, October 21st, 2021, Santa Fe received a call from 545 uh, Bonanza Creek Road in Santa Fe County. An initial call came in at approximately 1.48 p.m. An individual by the name of Mamie Mitchell, and we've covered her civil suit on the channel. Uh, she was the script supervisor. She is the one who called 911. While listening to the 911 call, Mamie advises that they need an ambulance at Bonanza Creek Ranch due to two people being shot on a movie set accidentally. The dispatcher then transfers her over to medical dispatch, and she advises the medical dispatcher that help is needed immediately due to people being shot by a, quote, unquote, prop gun. Santa Fe County deputies respond to the scene and advise that there was one female with a gunshot wound to the chest and a male with a gunshot wound to the stomach shoulder. The female, identified as Helena Hutchins, was transported to the University of New Mexico by care flight, which is consistent with everything else we know. Uh, the male, identified as Joel Souza, was transported uh, to St. Vincent Hospital by the county medics. While Affiant was conducting interviews at Santa Fe County Sheriff, Affiant being the officer that's writing this affidavit, it was discovered that uh, Helena passed away at UNMH due to her injuries, which is consistent with what Baldwin said in his interview. So we are going to point out the things that were consistent. It's consistent that he said he was being interviewed when he was told that she had passed, um, though it's clear from the civil lawsuits that those who stayed with her until she was uh, care flighted out uh, suspected that that was going to be the result. So let us get back into this. Affian interviewed multiple people in reference to the incident uh, to include the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the gun handler, Baldwin, and the assistant director, David Halls. And I have said since the beginning of this that those are probably the three that are going to be looked at for potential criminal liability. And that is still what I think. Um, just because you've got the, the AD is the one who handed Baldwin the gun. Baldwin's the one who had the gun and I believe fired the gun. Uh, he says accidentally discharged the gun. And then the armorer who was in charge and responsible for the gun. During Hannah's interview, she said the morning of the incident, she got to work and got the guns out. She advised her coworker, uh, helped her out with the morning tasks. She advised that after they retrieved the guns, they took them to set. She said that while on set, she dummied the guns up with dummy rounds, end quote. Hannah said they got on set around 7.30 a.m., but didn't dummy the gun until a short time before lunch. Hannah advised that when all, and this is the first we've seen of what, um, what, she has said and what she knew because there has been no other than her lawyers saying that they were worried that somebody might have um might have sabotaged the set other than those statements we have not seen anything from her so this affidavit covers things from her that we did not know affian asked hannah if she loaded the gun after lunch to which she stated it was already loaded before they went to lunch she advised quote we had the gun the whole time before that and nothing happened and I wasn't in there and they weren't even supposed to be pulling the hammer back. So it's again stating that she was not on set inside the church when this scene was being rehearsed. The officer asked Hannah to clarify where the guns were located before lunch, to which she responded they were inside with the camera crew and she was 
uh, hardly allowed inside due to COVID precautions. She had, it seems that she would be the one that you would absolutely need if you were doing anything with the weapon. It seems that you would want the person in charge of the weapons to be, you know, there, perhaps, one would think. I understand COVID precautions, but also, one would think that's the person you would need and somebody else would be outside. Um, they, uh, let's see, that's after lunch. Hannah said at one point, Dave Halls had the gun when he was sitting in for the shot. She advised she handed off the gun to Dave while he was sitting in. And this handoff occurred after lunch. Uh, she said the last time she loaded, she was asked when the last time she loaded the guns was, and she advised she loaded the gun with five dummy rounds before lunch. She stated there was one round that wouldn't go in. So after lunch, she took the cleaner, cleaned it out, and put another round in, which brought the total to six rounds loaded in the weapon. She described the gun as being a long barrel Colt 45. Uh, she advised that they went to lunch at 1230, and after they came back, she and Sarah took the guns to set. She said the guns were all in bags at this point. We saw images of those shared by people um, and described the bags to look like socks. I don't know what that means, but we saw the bags with the guns kind of sticking out of them and talked about that in another episode and where people were saying the guns were not always locked up. She stated that the guns were checked on set. However, she didn't really check it much, the firearm, due to it being locked up at lunch. Hannah said after she did the check, she put in the last round. Hannah advised a short time later, she remembered she could hear the gunshot, then heard people calling for a medic. She said that she did see Joel on the ground and asked if it was the gun, to which Dave responded, it was the gun that went off. I mean, I'm sure she heard it and knew it was a gunshot. Um, because when you hear a gunshot, if you know what a gunshot sounds like, you know it's a gunshot. I think even when people don't know what a gunshot sounds like, you kind of know it's a gunshot. Um, and everyone inside that small church would have been, uh, would have heard that very loudly. They had no ear protection. It would have been very, very loud. And that's what is said in the civil lawsuits. Hannah said, well, she checked the gun after the incident. She checked the cartridge, which would have been the one fired and said the first one she pulled out didn't have that pointing to the projectile and to the bullet. I feel like there's probably a name for that, that she would know. It's just an odd way to say it. But also this is probably an interview right after this happened. So I try to give you try to give grace because people are also going through trauma and shock after something like this happens. So it's like, well, why didn't you call it by its name? But also, um, Hannah said she checked all of the other rounds and they all had the ringing sound when she shook them or a hole in the side indicating it was a dummy round. Hannah advised that the box of dummies may have some wonky rounds. What does wonky mean? What, do, what does one mean by wonky in this context? And they received the box from approximately one week ago from Seth Keeney, her supplier. Uh, he's also been named in the civil suits, at least one of them, possibly both to the best of my memory. I think both, but I would have to go look. Hannah made a statement that she did not believe anyone on the film set would be that malicious to bring live ammo on set. Her lawyers didn't agree, though, because that's what they said on television more than once. Hannah confirmed when she was handed the gun after the incident she was the only one to manipulate it. Well, after she was handed it, but there's no way she can know who had it before she got it. So 
what the chain of custody was before it got back to her is unclear. Um, they say it was closed when it was handed to her. Well, we know Baldwin didn't open it and check anything. Baldwin was brought into the interview room at approximately 5.12 p.m. He was advised of Miranda rights and agreed to speak with detectives. Of course he did. He was advised in the scene. He slowly takes the gun out of the holster and then very dramatically turns it and cocks the hammer, which is when the gun goes off. Uh, he said that it was supposed to be a cold gun, so no flash charge or anything should have gone off. He said all the rounds in the gun were supposed to be cosmetic or dummy rounds. He advised that when the gun went off, he could recall Helena going down to the ground and Joel Souza starting to scream. He didn't say in this that he thought that she fainted because he would have heard the giant gunshot. <sighs> but this is consistent-ish with him saying he very dramatically turns it and cocks the hammer, which is when the gun went off. That's it's it's consistent with a little bit to what he said in the interview. Um, but just because he's cocking it doesn't mean his finger couldn't have also been on the trigger. So anyway, Alex said since they were in a rehearsal, he assumed he had an empty gun. And therefore, when he shot the gun, Helena was right in front of him. Um, Alec described the gun as being a period Colt. He said there were emails transferred back and forth between Hannah and him where she showed him different styles of gun. He said he requested a bigger gun and she showed him different styles of knives for the production. Um, Alec was shown the Colt with the brown handle and a cherry handle. And he ultimately chose the one with the brown handle. That is detail. I don't know why we need that in the search warrant, but all right, he picked the gun. Great. Um, he doesn't say why he assumed it was an empty gun. He said it was supposed to be a cold gun, but it's interesting he doesn't go into detail or it's just left out because this is not going to have every detail of the interview. It's going to have the details relevant to the search warrant that the, the, the purposes are different. Uh, so the purpose of having this in this way is different, if that makes sense. Here, let me try to make this. Um. In a brief search of Hutchins's phone, Affian discovered conversations about the production dating back to July 14th, 2021, and discovered photographs of receipts in the phone dating back to September 7th, 2021, showing various receipts of businesses in Santa Fe. Affian believes that gathering information prior to the film's start date of Rust is essential for a full investigation. So who did what before they got to set? Affian requested Alex's phone from him, as well as his attorney, and was instructed to acquire a warrant. All right, well, here we go. We would like your phone. You're going to need a warrant for that. Okay. Got 99 problems, but a uh, a warrant ain't one, apparently. Well, maybe it is. Maybe this counts as a warrant. A Alec Baldwin was straight up, but I, I know my rights, so you're going to need a warrant for that. Sorry. I got 99 problems. All right, we're going to keep going with this. Alec Baldwin has contacted Affiant numerous times through phone calls and text messages using the number listed. What's interesting, though, is if they requested the phone and he didn't give it to them, they had a heads up. So it'll be interesting to see what they find, given that he had a heads up that they wanted his phone. Alec has contacted Affiant numerous times through phone calls and text messages using the number listed. Therefore, Affiant believes this to be the phone slash phone number Alec uses on a regular basis. Affian is aware of the entire cell phone number, however, has redacted it for confidentiality. That's fair. Um, they believe it's an iPhone due to text messages sent and received, being iMessage, which is typical of any Apple device. 
Affiant requested a warrant for the seizure of the cell phone to search for evidence relating to the death investigation of Helena Hutchins because it's an ongoing investigation. Um, let me see. There was, I just want to make sure there was no, there was another part. I wanted to make sure the phone was redacted out of, but it was up above and it was redacted. Um, it goes on to say Affiant has not included every fact of the investigation, but included the facts that they believe are necessary to establish probable cause. I think it's enough to establish probable cause to search the phone. Um, what may be considered exculpatory by the defense may not be immediately clear to investigators or prosecution review of the information of a search warrant will require an analysis of the data records communications. This review um, shall be conducted within a reasonable period of time. And there we go. It was granted by the magistrate judge. It was signed on the 16th. They probably have his phone now. So somebody would have gone to wherever he is and have gotten his phone or his attorneys would have turned it over. So that, that is what we know from this search warrant. We know more from Hannah Gutierrez Reed that it was loaded before lunch, that it was in bags. It never says specifically in here. And again, not all details are in here, but it doesn't say specifically it was locked up between the time it was loaded and lunch. It also said that there was a round not going in and then the, the weapon had to be cleaned and then another round put in. So who knows? And she said she checked them afterwards. I mean, what are the actual literal chances that when she checked them, all the other ones were, were dummy rounds, but the one that was fired wasn't, it's just so, so it's just so strange. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's an ongoing investigation. It's a death investigation. I think there are three people who are kind of the focus of this investigation to see if they are in that realm of negligent homicide. There is nothing I have seen to indicate that we are in the realm of a more intentional homicide on this. I don't think we will get there without more. I reserve the right to change my mind when new information comes in. But based on all of this, you're still in that realm of, was it criminal negligence causing a death? And I talked about that in my other Rust episodes that are here on the channel. Well, I hope you learned about what they're looking for in this search warrant and more about what happened on the set of Rust. I found it very interesting. There were some things that were kind of alluded to in the Baldwin ABC interview with Stephanopoulos and some things that we're learning for the first time, most specifically with regard to armor, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Can't wait to hear your thoughts about it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a honored. And we should just raise a glass and say goodbye. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your families be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you again for being a lottery. And I will talk to you in the next one.